Uh, would you give it up for uh, Robert Henderson? <laughs> Thanks. Good morning. I'm also Micah's dad. <laughs> dad, that doesn't really count. I've been sleeping in his bed, so I've got to mention him. <laughs> it's really good to get to be here with you today. I wish my wife Mary could be here, um, their mother. Um, they, uh, we have six biolog- biological children. I mean, they're all ours together. Um, we're not a blended family or mixed family. Uh, we just, you know, decided to have a bunch of kids. And uh, the result was that we were never bored, but we were confused most of the time whenever they were growing up because there's like a 12 age uh, 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 gap between the oldest and the youngest and uh, the oldest is now almost 34 and the youngest is almost 22 and so it's like they're they're of legal age it's like I ought to be through but you know it just it doesn't seem to work that way <laughs> but let me tell you a little story but since I'm here and but so you kind of get to know me just a little bit I've been here one other time uh, during a midweek service and really enjoyed myself and it is a real honor for me to get to be here uh, because I travel all over. I, uh, Dan was mentioning today, and as the guys were getting ready for the services, I'll, I'll be in 17 nations this year, 17 different international trips, and uh, I pastored for 22 plus years. So I've done, you know, I've done a lot of different things in the ministry. Been in ministry my whole life since 1984, uh, early on in my life. I mean, that's that's tough when you're 14 years old and you start there. But anyway, uh, anyway, it was. <laughs> see, some of you just caught that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I've been, been in ministry for, for a lot of years, but uh, all of our kids grew up in a, in a preacher's home. And one of the things that we had was a Christian school. And at one point, I was the basketball coach of the Christian school. And, uh, and there were all, all the kids were, you know, there and younger, different ages. And, and uh, we had, I remember it was January, and we had just played this one basketball game. And I was coaching, and we had barely gotten beat. And my oldest son was, like, really into it and on the basketball team. And he was very upset because we got beat. So Mary gets in the minivan to, to, to drive home, and I get in my Mustang, my red Mustang, to drive home. Um, and I'm following her. And so we come around the bend, and we're merging up on a up on a highway. And as we're merging up on a highway, I you know, okay, I, I was like, well, what is he doing? <laughs> That's fine. And so, um, uh, so we were merging up on the highway. And as we we're merging up on the highway, I'm, I realize that there's a merge lane, and I realize there's an 18 wheeler going by. But I think it's a merge lane. Should just keep going? So I look back, and I shifted down in a, in a gear. And stepped on the gas and turned around to look, and she had stopped. And I nailed that minivan with my, with my red Mustang, my sports car. And the airbags came out. Adam was sitting in the front seat. And he was, I don't know, probably 10 years old or something. And he was reaching down to get a piece of candy out of the floorboard. And the airbags came out and hit him in the face and burnt his face. One other kid was in the back seat, and they came flipping through. And I threw my hand up to stop them. Long story short, my, my car is totaled, completely totaled. Mary's is in a bad shape, too, even though we did get it fixed. So we ended, we ended up standing in the ditch. And they probably all remember this. We ended up standing in the ditch, and it's cold, it's January. And we realized we've got to call the highway patrol, the, the law enforcement, so we can you know, make insurance claims. So I go across the highway, 
called law enforcement, and we come back and we're sitting in the ditch waiting on them to get there, standing in the ditch. And our oldest Ryan is running around the ditch, and he's mad throwing a fit or something. You know, he's, doing, he's just acting crazy. So it's just a really nice time. And, and so we're, we're standing in the ditch, and we're cold, and, and um, the highway patrol, the law enforcement finally show up. And they, when they do, there's two of them. And one of them takes me over here and says to, to me, and it, the other one takes Mary over to where, you know, down the road a little bit. And they say to me, what's going on here? I said, what? I said, I ran into the back of my wife. I know, but are you guys having trouble? And I suddenly realized they think we've been fighting. And they're, they're, they think I did this on purpose. Yeah. And so what I didn't know was they had Mary up at the other place. And the highway patrolman was asking her, have you been fighting? And Mary said, no, but we're going to. And we did. <laughs> that has nothing to do with my message. Nothing. I just want you to know that we're, we're, we're very real people. Okay, we're just real folks. Okay, look at me in Isaiah chapter 64. I, I, I've been, you know, I've been praying. I, 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 as I said, I travel every week somewhere. Uh, uh, I mean, literally every week. And, but when I, when I was coming, I really felt like the Lord wanted to do something very strategic, especially since we have today, tonight, and tomorrow night. And what I want to zero in on during these days, I felt like the Lord said this to me, was basically the power of His presence. And learning how to cultivate a life that carries the presence of the Lord. Remember that the, the, the high priest, or not the high priest, the priest would carry the ark or his presence, his glory, on their shoulders. It was symbolically saying that we as the believer are supposed to carry the presence of the Lord. And since I was a 12-year-old boy, that's been my passion, is to carry the presence of the Lord. That, that I wanted to be the kind of person that when I ministered or when people just encountered me, they would walk away saying, you know, there's something different about that individual. There's something different about who they are. And I mean that in a positive, I want them to do that in a positive sense. So in Isaiah chapter 64, I felt like the Lord just directed me here, verses 1 through 4. The Bible said this, Oh, that you would rend the heavens. This is a prophet crying out to God. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. That you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. As fire burns brushwood, as brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down and the mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has I seen any God besides you who acts for the ones who wait for him. And so the prophet is saying, Lord, tear open the heavens and come down and let us experience the magnificence of your presence. That's what he's asking for God to do. Now, we know we know that now the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us and, if you will, administers the presence of the Lord into our life. But there's still something to be said for this this picture, this typology that the prophet is talking about when he's talking about rending the heavens and God coming down from his dwelling place in heaven and beginning to inhabit inhabit us. And listen, not just inhabit us, but literally inhabit whole sections of the earth, because the, you'll see this. The passion of the father is for whatever is going on in heaven to be done in the earth. 
that the earth would become a reflection of his glory that is in heaven. So I want to talk to you about this whole issue of this prophet saying, Lord, open the heavens and come down and manifest your presence. Now, in Mark chapter one, verses nine through 11, when Jesus is baptized by John in the river Jordan, Remember that? It says that whenever he was baptized, that something very powerful happened. It says that the heavens were parted. It said the word is parted. And it says that the spirit came like a dove and lighted upon him. And he heard a voice from heaven, which was God's voice saying, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, I'm not here to necessarily talk about those issues right there. But Jesus experienced the heavens being opened over him. And the word part there, it literally means, it's, it's, it's the Greek word schizo, and it means to split or sever or to make a rent. In other words, something violent took place that allowed that to open up. So you need to understand that, that for heavens to open, for the, for the glory, for, for, the, for the heavens to open up and God to come down, it's not just a sliding open of something. There is something very violent that takes place. It's why, the, it's why that Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It's because, watch this, there's something trying to keep God in heaven to keep him from penetrating the earth. And that something is demonic powers. I'm going to show you this, that literally there are demonic powers whose sole ambition is to keep God in heaven, to keep him from impacting the earth and bringing his presence here. And so the Bible says that when Jesus was baptized, that literally there was a rending, there was a tearing that took place in the spirit realm so that something separated and was ripped apart that allowed God in the, in the form of the Holy Spirit and his voice to come out of heaven and penetrate Jesus. Okay, now, what's this? So, from that point on, after the wilderness, guess what happened? Everywhere Jesus went, miracles, signs, and wonders took place. Do you know why? Because everywhere he went, he carried an open heaven. You got to get that. You see, the heaven wasn't open over, over all of Israel, the heaven was opened over him. If you could just picture it, that, that he lived under this open heaven in complete communion with the Father. And so everywhere he went, whoever came and watched this got under the same open heaven he lived under, got healed, got delivered, got set free. Why? Because there was an open heaven over him. It wasn't open over anybody else, but it was over him. What that means is that you and I can live under an open heaven. That we should desire to live under an open heaven. That literally we can walk around and whoever comes into our atmosphere get impacted from heaven because heaven is opened over us. Are you getting that? But guess what? It can even get bigger than that. Do you know that there can be an open heaven over a church? There can be an open heaven over a city. There can be an open heaven over a state, even over a nation, that literally, that, that the principle is the same regardless of what sphere you put it in. The bottom line is, God wants to open the heavens so that what is in heaven can penetrate the earth. His presence can come in great power and great glory. That is His ambition. That is His desire. And so that's the picture we have here. And at the very least, what I want to see happen to today, tonight, and tomorrow is that some of us began to live under an open heaven. 
that wherever we walk, there's been something that's been rent, something that's been torn apart, so that what is in heaven can come and penetrate the earth. How many of you would like that in your life? Because let me tell you what happens when you get that. You're going to get the benefits of it, which is prosperity, which is blessing, which is breakthrough, which is healing, which is life, which is anything your heart can desire. You will get the benefit of it because you're now living under an open heaven. Are you tracking with me so far? Now, now let me let me just show you what this what this means. You see, the Bible teaches. I mean, you, you piece it together, but the, the, the implication, let me just say it that way. The implication is that there are at least three heavens. There are at least three heavens. Paul, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses uh, two, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4, Paul said that he was caught up to the third heaven. Everybody say third heaven. He was caught up to the third heaven where he heard things that were not lawful. To tell about in this realm. That's what he said. He said, I saw some stuff that you can't handle, so I can't tell you about it. In other words, the third heaven is the throne room of God. So, but here, watch this. If there's, a, if there's a third heaven, then it just serves to reason that there's also a first and a second heaven. Would you agree with that? That there's a first and a second heaven, if there's a third heaven. So, so... Here's what you need to understand. First of all, what is the first heaven? The first heaven is where we live. We are actually in the first heaven. We're actually in this atmosphere. And, and you can, if you just take the word heaven and just trans, translate, if you will, for the sake atmosphere, you are in the first atmosphere or the first heaven here in this realm that we live in. Okay, this is the first heaven area. In Matthew 10, 7 through 8, Jesus said, Go preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven has come to you. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. So one of the things that is in this first heaven is, is demonic imps. Okay? See, see, I'm making a distinction here so we'll understand this. See, the Bible says in this realm, in this first heaven, I as a believer ought to be able to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, because I'm carrying something, if you can hear this, from the third heaven. It's important that you get that, because you can see this before I'm through. That, that, that we're carrying something from the third heaven. So I can function here. But demonic imps, little demonic powers that... that Torment people and control people and demonize people and all that kind of stuff. They're in this realm. They're in the first heaven realm. And I could talk to you about where they came from potentially and all that, but that doesn't matter for the subject today. We're just in the, we're living in the first heaven. Everybody say first heaven. Okay. And then it says this, or then if there's a first heaven, then there has to be a second heaven. And this is Ephesians 6, 12. It says, for, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Notice that word, heavenly places. So watch this. We are in the first heaven, but there is a second heaven that's up here above us, and it's where principalities and powers, which are actually, which are actually the fallen angels that fell with Satan, and they are now in this second heaven realm. The demon powers are down here with us, and we have authority over them. We cast them out and we deal with them. But the principalities and powers that rule nations, 
See, what do they do? They determine the culture of nations. They determine the culture of a city. They determine the culture of a state. They even determine the culture of some churches. They are principalities and powers in this realm right here. That's the second heaven. And guess what they're doing? They are locked up together. Watch this. To stop what is in the next heaven, which is the third heaven. Which is God's throne. Watch this. I'm going to help you understand this. The third heaven is God's throne. Revelation 4, 1 through 2. The apostle John said he saw the door standing open. And he heard the voice saying, come up here. And it says, and immediately he was in the spirit and before and behold, a throne set in heaven and one who sat on the throne. So we have three heavens. This realm we live in the second heaven, which is where the principalities and powers are lodged that Paul talked about in, in, in Ephesians 6, 12. But then the third heaven, which is God's throne room. Are you tracking with me here? Okay, so what does it mean when Jesus said, pray this prayer, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth, or in this first heaven, as it is in heaven, which is the third heaven. What does it mean? It means God wants to take what's in the third heaven and penetrate the first heaven. Here's the problem. Something has it locked up. It's that second heaven realm that is between us and the third heaven that will not let the majesty... The glory and the power of God penetrate the earth. So guess what? Our job is, our job is to get the second heavens rended so that God from the third heaven can come into the first heaven. We have to do that in our own personal lives. That's, listen, that's why people make these statements. I pray and it just seems like it hits the ceiling and bounces back. Anybody ever heard that statement or felt that way? Do you know what's happening? You're hitting that second heaven. Your prayers are not going through. Or God's not able to respond to your prayers and come back through himself. See, we see a picture of this in, in Daniel 10, where that Daniel prayed for 21 days and fasted. And the, the answer came, but it says the prince of Persia in that, third, in that second heaven, that prince of Persia resisted and stopped the angel from bringing the answer through. And so when it was all said and done, they called for Michael, the archangel, which rent that second heaven so that what was in the third heaven could make its way into the first heaven and Daniel could get his answer. You see, all of us guys, we have to learn how we want the presence of God. If we want the glory of God, I'm not just talking about something that just causes you to cry a little tear. I'm talking about the majesty of God, the glory of God, the weight of God's presence. If that's what we want, we're going to have to deal with this second heaven realm. Because that's what's stopping what's in the third heaven from penetrating the first heaven where we live. Amen? And let me just, because uh, I want to show you what happens when, that, when, when, the, when the heavens are actually rent and God comes down. I want to show you what happens here in just a moment. But let me just touch two things. Number one, on a personal level. What is it that stops... In any, well, it's on a personal level, but it's also on a corporate level. It's the same principle regardless of what sphere you put it in. What stops, what stops what is in the second heaven, or excuse me, the third heaven from coming into the first heaven, dealing with that second heaven realm? We have to know what empowers these demonic powers, these principalities and powers. The thing that, that empowers them is our sin and the sin of our generations. That empower this second level. See, in other words, all of us in this room have a history. 
We have a personal history and we have an ancestral history. And I have to, according to the Word of God, repent for my sins and the sins of my forefathers that can empower that second heaven realm that can give it the legal right to block what is in the third heaven from coming to the first heaven. That's why the children of Israel, watch this, whenever they would be in captivity, they would always repent for their sins and the sins of their fathers because they realized the sin of their fathers is what gave the enemy the legal right to shut heaven up over a nation and cause a nation to live under a curse rather than the blessing of God. So they dealt with their sin and the sin of their forefathers. See, to understand this, you've got to understand three different words like in Psalms 32. David spoke of sin, transgression, and iniquity. Sin, transgression, and we would say that's the same thing. It's not the same thing. See, in Psalms 32, verses 1 and 2, he talks about his sin was forgiven and his, his iniquity was cleansed and his transgressions were wiped away. Okay, what is sin? Sin... Listen, sin is when you make a decision to do something, you have just sinned even before you've done anything, but you've made the decision. It's in the mind. It's a choice of the will. That's what sin is. Transgression is whenever I actually do it. When I step across the line and actually commit transgression. Now, this, is in, this involves activity. It's not just that I decided to do it. Now I actually do it. And now I move from, not, from having just sinned to actually having transgressed. But the third word is iniquity. See, what is iniquity? Iniquity is the bent. You've got to get this if we're going to get the heavens open. The iniquity is the bent or the propensity toward a certain sin. That's what iniquity is. In other words, nobody had to teach you how to be a sinner. You inherited it from your family line. And I don't care how good a family you came from. It doesn't matter. Every family's got stuff. Every family has stuff that you have to deal with. In my family line, in, from, from my family line, I've discovered at least four iniquitous patterns that I've had to repent for myself and for my for my bloodline, and that's fear, anger, sexual immorality, and addictive behavior. And I've recognized, and every time I say this, people say, well, that's my family line. Well, yeah, but, 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 but it's, it's, it, it's all operating there, and nobody had to learn this. Let me, let me put it this way. I always tell this story to try to help people understand, and they get real quiet on me. But when I was, I'm going to say I was four years old. I could have been younger, but I, at least, at least... Four. I'll just say four. And whenever I was four, when I was growing up, we would get this big, thick Sears and Roebuck catalog. Anybody here know, remember those? I mean, huge. They would come in the mail. And I would love the Sears and Roebuck catalog because I would be able to open it up and look at all the toys and dream about what I might get at Christmas time. But I would do something else. I found out there was some other stuff in that Sears and Roebuck catalog. I would go and I would get in a corner and I would find the section with the women in their underwear. And I love to look at the women in their underwear at four years old. How many of you know that's not normal? Yeah, you see, I can feel it in my body. Oh, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he said that. It could have been worse. I could have been looking at the men's section. I love to look at the women in their underwear. 
The reason it gets quiet is because all the guys, especially, but maybe some others, are like, Ooh, I know what that feels like. Well, what, what, but here's my point. How does a four-year-old learn that? They don't. That was iniquity in my bloodline. That was already operating against me, creating a pro, pro, propensity toward a certain sin that, watch this, the devil was going to use to try to ruin my life if I didn't deal with it. But that iniquity in my bloodline, please hear this, that iniquity in my bloodline was created, a propensity towards sin was created by someone in my bloodline opening the door to that problem by involving themselves in lust and sexual immorality. So that by the time Robert Henderson comes along... I am, because of my bloodline, the enemy has a right to, cre- to create a propensity in me toward a certain sin I never learned and, and, and was exposed to. Because I wasn't. So what did I have to do? I had to repent for myself and the sin of my bloodline. Why? Because that actually empowered demonic powers to shut the heavens over me. And I had to deal with that if I was going to get the heavens rent and God to come down. Does this make sense to you? Now multiply that on the level concerning a nation or concerning a city or a state or even a church. We have to deal with those issues that the enemy legally uses to shut the heavens up over us. Are you with me on this? See, I don't want to get up here and just yell and scream even though I can do that with the best of them. I want to help us unlock some stuff that our lives might really, really change. And the weight of His presence might come down upon us in a tremendous measure. So I just want to, there's, there's many other things we could talk about, but I wanted to deal with that because, because when it says that He was crying out, Lord, rend the heavens, He was talking about that second heaven. That the enemy was shutting up to keep what was in the third heaven from penetrating the first heaven, okay? Now, I want to show you five things that happens when the heavens are rent. When the heavens are rent. And I believe that God wants to rend the heavens over us today so that we can live, listen, in a completely new atmosphere than what we might have lived in before. Where that the enemy is easily moved out of the way because the heavens have opened up over us and God is free to come down. So let me give you five things out of Isaiah 64 that happens when the heavens are rent. Number one, God himself comes down to us. Because it says Isaiah 64 verse 1, that you would rent the heavens, that you would come down. Notice the prophet is not asking for God just to do something. We want you yourself, Lord. So what does that mean? That means the Lord himself is our reward. See, so often we want what he can do. But what he wants us to want is he himself. You see, that, that's, that's the issue. If I develop a passion for him, then I'm going to get what he can do. He, I, I love Romans chapter 8 in verse 32. Um, uh, uh, it says, Romans eight thirty-two: He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Notice, once you get him, you get all the stuff that goes with him. So, see, what the church has done, we have preached the stuff, but not preached him. You see, where, where is the message is that says, I want you, Lord. 
I want you more than anything else. You're my reward. See, this has always been the case. In Genesis 15, 1, God says to Abraham, I am your exceeding, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. I am. See, God wants, to, he wants himself to bear a reward. He, Hebrews eleven six, God says, he, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In other words, he, listen, he rewards us with himself. Let me explain to you this way. Several years ago, when I was still leading the work in Texas, before I stepped away that we had birthed, given birth to and led for 15 years, it was a great work. And, but, but. I had this dream. I, I, I knew something was going somewhere, but I didn't know what at the time. And I had this dream, and I knew it was God. Because in this dream, I was standing in, in the outside, outside of a cave. And I could sense the presence of the Lord. And I couldn't see anything. I, could just, I just knew He was there. And all of a sudden, that presence I sensed went into a cave. And I pursued him into the cave because I was pursuing him for the anointing. That's what I was pursuing him for. And when I got inside the cave, all of a sudden, his face appeared to me. And his face was like hovering in midair. And when his face appeared to me, there were two mantles that, that left him and began to float toward me. And I got those mantles and I wrapped them around me. And I now had what I had been pursuing the Lord for. But he kept going deeper into the cave. His face did. And I kept pursuing him because even though I had what I was originally pursuing him for, I now wanted him. You see, that's what happens. Sometimes we start off pursuing him for what he can give us. But somewhere along the lines, he becomes our desire. And so I'm now pursuing him, not what he can give me. I've already got what I was pursuing him for. And I knew, by the way, these mantles were spirit and power. That they had to do with, with the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power to do miracles. I knew that. And so, and we, I see that happen. But, but I received that. But he kept going. And as he kept going in the cave, suddenly his full bodily form appeared. So I started off not seeing him, just sensing him. Then I saw his face. Then I saw his full form. And he kept going deeper in the cave. And I kept pursuing him deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the cave. Until I finally caught up to him. And when I did, I reached and I touched his shoulder on his back. And he stopped. And he looked over his shoulder at me. And I was amazed at what kind of came out of my mouth next. At that moment in my dream, I said to the Lord, as I'm standing there looking at him, I said, Lord, what must I do to love you more? Because see, somewhere in the pursuit, he had captured my heart. I started off pursuing him for something. But somewhere in the pursuit, he captured my heart. And he said to me, one word, separation. I didn't know what it meant. I now know what it meant. He said, I'm going to separate you. If you'll love me with all your heart, you've got to understand this is going to cost you. And I'm going to separate you from everything that you think you have to have. I'm going to separate you. So that I am your all in all. And that's exactly what he's done in the last eight years since I pursued him. But I want you to understand, he is our reward. And if we will focus on him and say, Lord, I want to love you more than anything else. Than anything else. Then God will 
God will reward us with himself. Number two, a second result of the heavens being open is the mountains shake and are moved. Isaiah 64, 1, he said, when the heavens open and God comes down, it says the mountains might shake at your presence. Verse 3 of Isaiah 64 says, the mountains shook at your presence. Mountains speak of immovable things that stand in our way and impede our progress. See, there's probably not a person in this room that where you're standing, you don't want to go somewhere. But there seems like sometimes I can't get there because there's something that seems to always be standing in my way. It could be in the spirit realm, if you will, a mountain that is resisting you from getting to where God actually has for you. Because you can see the destiny. You can see what God has for you. But there's a mountain that's standing in the way. And it seems like you pray, it seems like you cry, it seems like you do whatever, and that mountain never seems to move. It seems like every time you're almost about to reach that destination, something thwarts it and changes it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's because there's a mountain. Jesus called it a mountain in the spirit realm that is resisting us from going. But the wonderful thing is the Bible says this, when the heaven is rent and God comes down, it says that the mountains began to shake. Psalms 97, verse 5. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. God says mountains just melt away. So in other words, those things that are standing in your way from getting to where you want to get to and cause you frustration. Because that's what always the result is. I'm frustrated because I can't get there. Seems like it doesn't matter what I do. I can't get there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I can't get there because there's a mountain there. The Bible says when the heavens are rent, all of a sudden that mountain that looks so big and so huge melts away. It's just moved. It's just moved out of the way. I need those mountains moved. So I say, Lord, would, would you rend the heavens? Would you let what's in the third heaven come down into the first heaven? Would you let me encounter you? Number three, another result of the heavens being open is it says that brushwood is burnt. Isaiah 64, 2, as fire burns brushwood, it says. Now, whenever I think about brushwood, I grew up in the country in Texas. I know you can't tell that by my accent, even though you know Adam and Baca come from Texas. I used to try to hide it. I just let it, I just let it fly now. I'm, I'm a Texas boy, and I grew up in the country in Texas. And I grew up, one of the things I grew up was chasing cattle. Because we had, we had cattle, and so we would go out and try to round them up. And as you know, 12, 13-year-old boy, I would chase those cattle. We, didn't, we, we had horses, but we didn't ride them. I mean, I would, I would just, in, 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 the, in, the, in the act of chasing cattle, sometimes those things would go back into thickets. And I would have to cut through those thickets and through that brushwood in chasing these cattle. And I mean, those briars would, would cut you and, 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 you know, hurt you when you went through it. But you, I just cut through those things and keep running and going after those cattle to try to get ahead of them. To, you know, because if you ever got ahead of them, you could turn them and send them back in the right direction. So I would, you know, I would get there. And, but but I, I know what brushwood is. Well, the Bible said, and so what would happen through, through brushwood is that you would become entangled. Because that's what happens in brushwood. 
is, it is an entanglement that can hold you up. And so when the Bible says that he comes to burn up brushwood, I always think about God dealing with entanglements in my life. But just because of my history, I think about God coming and burning up that which wants to entangle me. Hebrews 12.1 says that we should lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. See, in other words, there are sins and there are things that want to entangle us and trap us and hold us. See, God comes along and he says, I want to... Burn those things up so that they're no longer an issue in your life. See, because I've been doing this long enough to know that most people have things they hate in their life. They hate them. They, 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 but they seem to be powerless against them. God says, when the heavens open, I'll burn them up. I'll burn up the brushwood. I'll remove the brushwood and I'll burn it with fire so that that thing that used to hold you and entangle you holds you no more. It's actually cut off. It's actually removed so that you have a freedom and a liberty and and a dominion over it that you didn't have before. I love Philippians 2.13 because it says this, For it is God who works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. You see, When you got born again, we don't understand this sometimes. When I got born again, when you got born again, you actually received a new nature. What does that mean? That means what you used to like, you now hate. And what you used to hate, you now love. That's what happens. So, so, so the problem, though, is there's still some stuff that wants to linger and hold us and entangle us at times. And you hate that thing. God says, I'm going to rend the heavens and I'm going to cause all the brushwood, all the entanglements. I mean, mean, just this morning, if God could somehow just open the heavens, come down. And bam, all that thing that holds us in bondage is gone. It's just burned up. The power of it is broken. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But those things, those things actually can't happen. I had an experience in one of those things back at the first of the year. Where the, this may sound crazy to you, but actually in a dream. Actually in a dream. The Lord came to me in a dream and set me free from something. Now, in my earlier years, I would have thought, oh, that's God telling me he's going to do it. I've learned. I thought, no, that was God doing it. I'm going to accept it by faith that that was God doing it. And when I woke up from that dream, I was freed from that thing that I had not been able to beat. I was freed from it. God did it for me in a dream. Because the, in the dream, the, listen, you need to understand, in the dream, the spirit realm is very real. And so I actually saw it happening and I just accepted it as done. And to my amazement, literally, it was a done thing. Because God, if you will, opened the heaven, came down and set me free from entanglements that I hated, but I couldn't get free from, but he set me free from them. Amen. That's a wonderful thing. God can do that. God does that. Number four. You know what I mean? Before I go there, I got just a, a couple of minutes here. Let me let me just let me just tell you this little story about about God changing us so that what we used to love, we now hate, and what we used to hate, we now love. I, since I was about twelve years old, 
I, I preached my first sermon when I was 13. Wanted to be in the ministry. And then I met my wife whenever we were 16 in high school, their mother. And fell in love with her. And I was a whole lot more interested in her than I was in God or the ministry. It was just true. I mean, she got saved and born again because we were dating and all these kind of things. But the bottom line was she captured my heart. And so I was a whole lot more interested in her. So I decided I didn't want to be in the ministry because I thought the ministry would cramp my style. Now, the problem was I didn't have any style, but I didn't know that. And so, so I thought I did. And so, so we got married right out of high school, 18 years old. And, you know, people say, well, that's stupid. Well, it worked for us. Anyway, we got, we got married 18 years old, been married now for 36, going on 37 years. And, and, um, um, and, you know, just started living life. Well, about two years into our marriage, God, he doesn't forget. And I, I'm in the car going to the grocery store to get some bread and milk. And unannounced, unannounced. In other words, I did not invite him into my car. Somebody says he's a gentleman. No, he is not. He came into my car unannounced and without invitation. And I heard his voice. I heard his voice. Almost audible. Not audible, but it was so strong. I heard him say to me, these were the exact words, the time is drawing nigh for you to do my work. Now, now I'm about 20 years old. And my response to it, because I knew it was God, why now? Because I had a wife, I had a baby on the way, I had a house I was paying for, you know, cars, just life. And the Lord instantly, when I said, why now? Instantly, he said, because now you have to trust me. And I thought, no, I don't. Who's going to make me? Well, make a long story short, it didn't take God but about two weeks. That's all it took. And I was... I was, I surrendered to him because what happened? Watch this. He actually worked in me to both to do his will and of his good pleasure. He changed my heart. See, I want you to know something. You can say, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. You don't understand. He can change your heart. He can take the very thing that you think is the most boring, dead, dry thing you could possibly ever do. And he can change your heart to list the very thing you live for. Because that's what he did for me. And I've been doing this now, full time, for 30 years. For 30 years. And he's been nothing but faithful. He's been very difficult at times. But he's been nothing but very faithful to us. Because he works in us both to will and do of his good pleasure and breaks every entanglement. Number four, another result of heaven being open. Is what is unchallenged becomes challenged. Just two more real quickly. Isaiah 64, 2. It says he causes a fire that causes the waters to boil. See, what is it? We know what happens when waters boil. Something that is stable becomes unstable. Something, if you can hear this, that is unchallenged becomes challenged. And he likens waters to boil to making his name known to his adversaries and that nations would tremble at his presence. In other words, God comes along and he says, I'm going to get nations' attention. When the heavens open over nations, those nations that think they're so big and bad and rule the world, God said, I'll show them I'm the one that rules the world. I will call water to boil. What does that speak of? That speaks of this. That speaks of demonic powers in the spirit realm that are ruling nations that they become challenged. See, it says that from the days of John the Baptist until now, 
The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take by force. In other words, until John the Baptist came on the scene, Israel was living under the domination of principalities and powers. But the moment John the Baptist showed up and began to preach and prophesy, his words didn't just touch people. They literally challenged the, the, the powers of darkness that were in that second heaven. And he said it caused a battle, if you will, of violence to break out in the, in the second heaven. Why? Because John was there to see those things rent and move so that Jesus could come and begin to accomplish his will in the earth. But it was his word. See, see we don't understand. Maybe I'll just share, share this. I go to South Africa. I've gone to South Africa quite a bit and preached there. The second, by the second time I went to South Africa, the lady I was there with, she looked at me and she said, I want to cleanse your bloodline. Now, I didn't understand a little bit what I shared with you earlier about my history. And I thought, what's wrong with my bloodline? My bloodline's just as good as yours. Probably better. What's wrong with my bloodline? Because I, did, I didn't understand. And so she said, no, I want to cleanse your bloodline. And then she says, because I want to make sure you're saved. Now, what she didn't, she wasn't talking about me going to heaven. She wanted to make sure that, watch this, the demonic powers had no legal right to come after me because she understood this. If there's issues in your bloodline that give him the legal right because of sins of your forefathers to come after you, watch. When you stand on that platform in Africa and you begin to preach the gospel, you're not just going to be preaching to people. You're going to be challenging the powers of darkness of Africa. You're challenging those powers, and we need to make sure that your bloodline is cleansed so those powers of darkness find no legal right to come against you and your family. And so they took me through this process. I won't go into the whole thing, but the bottom line was they cleansed my bloodline because I repented of my sins and the sins of my forefathers so that when I stood on that platform and began to preach, I was challenging the powers of darkness over those nations in Africa from an apostolic perspective. And she understood that and she said, we have to make sure your bloodline is clean. See, that's what John the Baptist did. He preached the gospel and he challenged the powers of darkness over Israel. And his words caused violence to break out because those powers began to be ripped apart so that God in the third heaven could come into the first heaven. A lot of different things there. Number five, the last thing. The fifth thing that happens when the heaven is open is the unexpected occurs. I love verses four, 3 and 4 of Isaiah 64. Verse 3 says, When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down and the mountain shook at your presence. Isn't that powerful? He said, listen, we like our comfortable Christianity. I say, Lord, come mess it up. Just, just come mess it up. Because I want you to know something. When God really shows up, sometimes He doesn't fit into our comfortable box. Sometimes He comes and does stuff just to mess with us. And mess with our religion. You say, oh, He wouldn't do that. Oh, really? Jesus healed on purpose on the Sabbath. Knowing He was going to mess with the Pharisees and Sadducees. He did it on purpose to challenge that religious spirit. That dominated them. And he said, I'm going I'm to do this. On, instead of doing this on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Or for them Sunday. I'm going to do it on Saturday. And I'm going to mess with them. Because I understand that this spirit of religion so holds them. I'm going to heal on the Sabbath just to challenge them. 
and mess with our religion. You've got to understand God will do things that will challenge us. There's, there's been some things that have gone on in the body of Christ in the last 20, 25 years that have challenged some folks. Because, well, I don't know the Holy Spirit would do that. Really? Really? You don't know whether he would do that or not? Well, my attitude is, it's got one or two sources, God or Satan. And if it brings about the redemptive purposes of God, then I have to say, you know what? That might be God. I'm not going to be so quick to challenge something just because it doesn't fit into my religious box. Because watch this. I could cut myself off from something that might empower my life. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I, I want to be open to the Lord. Because the Bible says when the heavens rend and He comes down, the Scripture says that He will do the unexpected. He has some surprises up His sleeves. I mean, as much as we like coming to services in church, what if the unexpected happened? Yeah, I'm ready. What if the unexpected happened? What, would, what, what could possibly, what, what would happen if God just decided to manifest himself? For the purpose of empowering us to the next level. I say, Lord, I don't want to create boxes that won't let you in. I'm in a lot of different settings. I was in Anchorage, Alaska two weeks ago doing a thing on the courts of heaven, but then preaching in a church on Sunday morning. I was like, God, you can hear a pin drop in this place. And it wasn't the hush of the Lord either. It was like, God, it was like we're about that far from death. I mean, it was like really bad. So I find myself in a lot of, and then I find myself in some, you know, just as loud and boisterous and vibrant and alive and whatever, you know, as you can possibly be in. And I find out that God many times is in all of them. Because he wants to do even the unexpected. So could you stand with me this morning? And would you just open your heart? Would you just... Because let me just say this. When, when, when Dan asked me to come, I was honored. I am very honored to be here. But I thought, Lord, would you just do something while I'm there? Lord, I know that there's a good place. I know it's a good house. I know it's a good church. I know it's a good group of people. But you, would you just visit us, Lord Jesus? Would you just visit us? Would you just come in your majesty and your glory and display the splendor and the wonder of who you are? Would you just come and rend the heavens over us so that what is in the third heaven can come into this atmosphere of the first heaven where we live. Lord, I don't want to live out my life in this sphere without having that realm in this realm. Lord, when I get to that realm, I want it to be a realm I'm acquainted with because I had it here. I just adore you, Lord Jesus. Would you just you feel comfortable just lift your hand just tell him you love him and that you adore him lord you're the holy one lord would you come and would you rend the heavens over us would you cause the heavens to be rent would you cause the heavens to be rent
Now, just, I mean, there's so many things I could have said, but, but even this whole issue of our, our sins and the sins of our bloodline, could, could you just follow me in a prayer? Would you say, Father, right now, I come and bring my life and my heart and my family and my history and my ancestry. I bring it to you. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that when you died on the cross, your blood and your body was sacrificed for, for me and all of my history. Even my sins and the sins of my family. And I repent now for my sins and for the sins connected to my ancestry. I repent of these. And I ask for the blood of Jesus to wash them clean. Lord, cleanse them away so that the enemy has no right to hold the heavens shut. But Lord, they they can be rent open because of the blood and sacrifice of the Lamb. And that the power of who you are, Lord Jesus, is free to come out of heaven. Even the third heaven through the second heaven and to penetrate this heaven this dimension where I live I just receive that from you right now Father let the demonstration of who you are come upon our lives in Jesus name Amen now, if you, I just, I know uh, Pastor Dan said we could just take a little bit of time here. If you say, man, I really, really, really want the heavens open over my life. I know we got limited room, but I feel like it'd be good if we just responded. Could you just come and stand here? And hey, you stand in the aisle, but it's just good just to respond and say, Lord, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. I'm thirsty for you. I want the heavens open. I want the mountains in my life to shake. I want the brushwood to burn up. I want God, you yourself, to come down. Lord, I want the unexpected to happen. I want all these things that were mentioned. I want the manifestation of God to come. And I want to open my spirit so that what is in the third heaven can come and impact, Lord, even this first heaven and this realm where I live in the name of Jesus. So just begin to reach out to the Lord. Reach out to Him. Father, I decree, even as we are reaching out, I decree the heavens are rent in Jesus' name. I say the heavens are rent in Jesus' name. I say the heavens are rent. The heavens are rent in Jesus' name. And they, and Lord, your power comes down. Your power comes down. Your power comes down, Lord, and is demonstrated in Jesus' name. Power of His Spirit. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the anointing. Just let the heavens rend. Let the heavens rend. Let the heavens be rent. Open in Jesus' name. Open in Jesus' name. Let the heavens be rent. Let the heavens be rent. Let the heavens be rent in the name of Jesus. Open them up, Lord, to your glory. Thank you for your glory. Just I want you to pray in the Spirit if you can for just a few moments. We release you, O God, and we declare your kingdom rule, O God. Heaven's rent. Heaven's rent. Heaven's rent. Heaven's rent, Lord. Heaven's rent. Heaven's rent. Come down, O God. 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 Lord, come down, O God. 
thank you, Lord. Come down, oh God. Lord, be rent, be rent, be rent in Jesus' name, Lord. Heavens be rent. Just worship Him for just a few moments. Come on. We bless you. We just release your power and your presence and your glory. Heavens, heavens, heavens be open. 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 Heavens be open in Jesus' name. Everything that just seems so closed, that it open in Jesus' name. That it open in Jesus' name. Everything that seems so closed, be open in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The power of His presence over you. Thank you for the anointing. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the anointing. Open, 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 open in Jesus' name. Open in Jesus' name. Open in Jesus' name. Open, 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 open. Hallelujah, Lord. Jesus, even in these nations, oh God, that my brother loves with such a love, such a love, such a desire. Lord, let him see the fulfillment of what you have spoken. Let him see it, Lord Jesus. Let it be done, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I decree the heavens rent in Jesus' name. 
Father, I say, rip the heavens, rend the heavens. Lord, let them be separated. Let every demonic power, every principality, every power of darkness, Lord, that would try to resist what is in the courts and the throne of God from coming into this first level, this first room. Let it be opened in the name of Jesus, Lord. And Father, let there be transformation that occurs in in human natural lives, but Lord, even within cities, states, regions, even within nations, Lord. Father, let it be done, I pray, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.